Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. You might remember me. I'm Jay and Ellie. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. Who are you people? How did you get in here? Oh, oh, sorry. I haven't seen y'all in so Y'all long. never changed the locks. <laughs> you should always change the locks. Otherwise... I've literally been here the whole time. Uh, I'm Cristalano. <laughs> I've been here in spirit. <laughs> yeah, but y'all are back for an episode. It's been a while for, for either of you, and I have missed you both dearly. So I've literally been on every podcast this year, Chris. So hi. Hi. How uh, y'all doing? Is, is there something coming up? There, there is something coming up. Yeah. Um, it is 2022. We haven't had an episode since 2021. So it's been, you know, since last year. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, we did take those like two weeks off, but we're back and uh, it's time to start Kamigawa. We are, we have entered the world of Kamigawa neon dynasty, uh, which I keep wanting to say is neon destiny, but I feel like that's like a different thing. I feel like I've heard that name before. That's, uh, that's Lorelai's characters in the bungee game. Oh yeah, yeah. what? <laughs> Destiny. Neon Destiny characters. Oh no, 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 no! I'm I'm not running any neon shaders. I'm currently on fetid copper on my Titan. I've been nice. thunder crashing a lot. Yeah, uh, if you want to know what I've been doing since I've been off the podcast, it's a lot of Destiny too, <laughs> <laughs> and like relaxing. I I hit burnout tier exhaustion working on this, so I took a sabbatical. But Comic was very exciting. Ah. And I want to talk about it. So it turns out I have a venue for that. So we're going to shout about Kamigawa and Neon Dynasty in the future. But we're not there yet because uh, we got about 1,200 years, right? We're, we're gonna, Yeah. Today today we're going to talk about Kamigawa Analog Destiny. Uh, and it's going to be great. Jay, Jay, what have you been up to since your last time on the podcast? Oh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Had a baby, a little girl named Dia and lots of things I can't tell you about. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's get started by talking about all of the Vorthos content that's going to be coming your way for Kamigawa. Uh, first of all, on the 11th, there is going to be a Building Worlds creative roundtable about how they developed Kamigawa. Uh, from the 11th to the 21st, they're going to do Kamigawa short histories. I don't actually know what's going to be in those. So I'm I'm very interested to see what they came up with for that, uh, what kind of content that is. I recall all they said was that it's going to be kind of patching up Kamigawa's history from last block to this block. I don't know if that means like over the whole 1200 years or if it's just like, hey, background stuff for stuff that's going to be in Neon Dynasty. Um, but I'm excited mm. to, to see what that is. Uh, okay. It's kind of, a, kind of a throwback to what they did on... Uh, uh, with the original block, they had a lot of web fiction about just, you know, that was got lore through little short stories on the website. So I, I assume it's going to feel like that. Uh, I'm I'm curious exactly what it will be, though. Yeah, Start soon. I, I think now that you mentioned that, I have an idea of what it might be, but I don't actually know for sure. Uh, and then the week after that, starting on the 24th, according to this tweet arena just put out, uh, we're going to have the web fiction over the course of, is that right? Is that three days? The 24th, 25th, 26th? I feel like, I feel like I've heard 24th, 25th, 26th, 27th as well, but I know it's going to be like three days. We're, we're okay. going to have it all by the 27th, which it's, is it's, uh, a Thursday. It's, it's going to be a lot of story, y'all. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, okay. 27th, 27th is the start of official preview weeks. There will be one of the fancy initial preview streams. Uh, we'll know the entire story by then. Uh, 
I know why we're getting the story before the preview season. Uh, I'm sure Jay knows why we're getting story before preview season. Uh, I'm very excited for everyone to know why. It's great. Like I said, I'm very excited for this set. I yep. didn't. I didn't miss uh, <laughs> being the only person on the podcast who didn't know what was going on. <laughs> this is an old feeling. It's been a while. It's good stuff. All right. With all that, let's dive into the world of Kamigawa. So Kamigawa is divided into two uh, primary worlds or two primary realms that exist in balance with each other. Uh, there's the material realm and the spirit realm. Uh, in the material realm, this is what we exist in. Uh, you can think of it a little bit, if you want to think of it in like Theros terms, think of it a little bit as like there is Theros, where the mortals live, and then there is Nyx, where the gods live. There's sort of a similar setup with Kamigawa, although the way the spirit realm works is a little bit different. Uh, so in the, in the material realm, uh, most human civilization is around Toabara which is uh, the, the plains in the center of the known plane. Uh, there is a castle called Iganjo in there, uh, and it is ruled by a Lord Takeshi Kanda. Um, <clears throat> there's also in this area and on the borders of forest, uh, there are fox folk called Kitsune. Uh, they kind of sub in for elves in this setting. Uh, they are very long lived. Um, they are connected with nature, but they're also tricksters, um, expert swordsmen, all that good so, stuff. So you've mentioned them being kind of a fill-in for elves with long lives and are connected to nature. They are a white-aligned species, not a green-aligned one. They are uh, our... Uh, Kamigawa does the thing where humans are in all five colors, and then every color has its own individual peoples. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So... Well, I want to be clear that these, this is all white aligned stuff. So, uh, so they're like the stand-in for elves. So, you're saying there's no elves on Kamigawa? Correct. How are we going to get Brian on these podcast episodes? He's just not. He's he's, <laughs> he's not going to bother. Uh, so, what I should what I should know about the Kitsune is, um, yes, they in cards they appear all in white, but in the uh, in the stories they live on both the plains and in the forest. So it's it's implied that they are very like white green aligned. Uh, then there's Minamo Wizard Academy, which is located uh, north, if I recall correctly, of Iganjo. Um, and that's very bold of you acting confused as if I'm going to fill in remembering anything about the map of Kamigawa other than, <laughs> other than uh, Iganjo being roughly in the middle. It is. Uh, yeah, it's a confusing map. I have the exact cartography written down. In a document, I'm just not going to bother pulling it up right now. It doesn't really matter for for what we're talking about. Uh, <clears throat> the The Wizard Academy is um, it's where the humans go to learn magic. Uh, there's also a large swamp called the uh, Takenuma, um, and in there is where the rat folk live. These are our black aligned uh, creatures. Uh, they are called the Nizumi. Um, but you could call them, they, they go by either the Nizumi or the rat folk, just like the Kitsune uh, might also go by as the fox folk. Um, the Takanuma is a big kind of desolate swamp that has grown in recent years, or at least in recent years in this, in the 12 to 1300 years ago timeline, uh, because of the Kami War. And we'll get into that, what that is in a second. Yeah, you keep saying things like so-and-so is or so-and-so, you know, it, it, it's was. This is 1,200 years ago. So, like, the, was, the emperor, was. 
the emperor in Iganjo Castle is is not uh, Kanda anymore. It was Kanda. The Kitsune yeah. did live there. The rat folk did live. There. We don't really know where they are now or what they're doing. Uh, at least I don't because I don't get to see the world building documents like uh, some people <laughs> in this podcast do. Uh, so then you have the Jukai Forest. Uh, this is a huge swath of forest that the borders are unmapped. Uh, part of the reason it's unmapped is because of the Orochi, the snake folk who live there. The snake folk who had like four arms, six limbs, yeah. <laughs> not very snake-like, but they had legs and four arms and uh, the ladies had boobs. Why? Let's just say it. The ladies had boobs. They, we there were no boobies. Yeah, because no, it was very confusing. They, we know that they hatched from eggs. That is like depicted in the art, but yep. they had boobs. I don't, it, I hope that they've changed that. And they've just said, yeah, over the 1200 years, no more, no more boobs on, on snake ladies. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. That is that is an eagerly uh, excited world building update if if they change it. Mammals uh, ain't the only things that make milk for their young. So uh, then there is Odawara, which is the home of the Soratami moon folk. Uh, Tamio is one of these moon folk. I don't, I'm gonna. I'm no. I have an agenda gripe. I haven't been here for a while. I have an agenda gripe that this was not up with Minamo and the other blue stuff. It probably should have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the final. Lo- oh, oh, sorry. Odawara is located in the sky um, above the Minamo Wizard Academy. Uh, it is a floating city in the clouds populated by the moon folk who at this point in the story were very aloof from the rest of Kamigawa civilization. Uh, They held themselves literally above everyone else, which will matter for the story. Uh, And then there's the uh, Sokanzan, which is full of ogres, uh, goblins called Aki that are reminiscent of um, Kappa, which are Japanese turtle reason, turtle uh, demons. For for some reason, this like river and stream yokai is now goblins. Yeah. (laughs) Also Kappa also exist on the plane because we had shell of the last Kappa, but they also made the goblins look like Kappa. So I, I I don't know. Um, And then there are um, ogres. I think I mentioned, but the ogres are tend to be uh, demon worshipers, worshipers of, uh, evil kami called oni which are the demons um and then there were various quote-unquote bandits or uh unaffiliated tribes who uh did not owe fealty to iganjo uh they were called bandits but frequently the reality is they were uh they just didn't like the imperialism of the uh emperor's of the uh lord kanda's court yeah so this is the color where you have like the red aligned samurai who tend to be ronin or um Yamabushi and his tribe of uh, magic wielding pyromancers. So, so the, the Sokanzan is like the the mountain range. Yeah, this this yeah the Sokanzan. So Kamigawa just conveniently has five primary di- uh, areas of land. Yep. <laughs> they just happen to have a plains and like a place with a bunch of islands and then a forest. <laughs> and then Listen, this is magic. This was magic's first major plane constructed uh after Mirrodin. like think yeah think it was the first top-down plane it was the first plane after Mirrodin, which is literally just a metal world with like <laughs> one biome each 
you know, they, they got better after time at, at putting this stuff together. So, um, and then there's the spirit realm, which is not material, but not like the blind eternities. It is, uh, essentially kind of unknowable. Mortals don't go there. Kami exist there. Uh, and most notably at this time in Kamigawa's past, there's a barrier between the mortal realm and the spirit realm. Kami occasionally come through, usually f during like rituals or if they're summoned or sometimes they will manifest in a place of uh, natural power. Um, but otherwise, they kind of do their own thing on the other side and have their inscrutable magics. Uh, and uh, they are led by a gigantic dragon hydra thing called Okagachi, who is the Kami of the Barrier, who uh, is the being that has erected this uh, barrier between the mortal and the spirit realm. And there are a number of uh, prominent legendary Kami. Um, the, the big ones are the Myojin, uh, who manifest at certain shrines uh, across Kamigawa. Uh, there's one in each color. They were big, expensive creatures. Uh, if you remember those, you might have encountered them in a commander game. Uh, they enter with a divinity counter, which makes them indestructible, and then you can remove that counter for a one-time powerful effect. Uh, they they are like one of the closest things to like gods in this world. They are um, major deities. Uh, we'll talk about the Kami of Night or the uh, Myojin of Night's Reach later, because. She's a major character in this story. She's incredibly powerful. Uh, there are also the spirit dragons. Um, there are, uh, again, one in each color. Uh, they are protectors of certain locations in the mortal realm. Um, I believe all of them die in the story. I think they said all but one of them died. Uh, the, yeah. I don't recall exactly which one. Most of them no. die. They all, their <laughs> cards all had death triggers because they all die in the story. Um, like I said, this was Kamigawa was built even differently than Top Down Cesar today. It was built very bizarrely in that, like, all the world building and story beats and stuff was done first, and then they designed a set around that. It's really clunky. Um, uh, then there's a whole bunch of other Kami. They're mostly like nature spirits, uh, but there's also like Kami of abstract concepts or um, Kami of like specific rituals. Uh, there are like, there's like candle Kami. Um, and so, uh, like, uh, and they, uh, when they, because of the inscrutability of the spirit realm, when they manifest in the mortal realm, they're very bizarre. Uh, they're very abstract, and they're usually signified by a, uh, at least three of a kind of floating object. Uh, so if, if you know the, uh, the shoal cycle, the disrupting shoals and sickening shoal and whatever the other cards were, is it blazing shoal is the band one in modern? Yes. Thanks, in <laughs> fact. Um, uh, all those cards have a motif of uh, these like weird spectral fish that float around the person getting the kami's power. Uh, so, so that is that is the motif that is associated with the kami. Um, they, uh, if you remember from mechanically in that block, the arcane spells were emblematic of the kami's magic as opposed to the regular incense and sorceries, which are mortal magic. Um, and then there's uh, Jay mentioned the Oni. Those are the demons of this world. Uh, they have a bunch of packs with the ogres um, uh, and appear in black and red and are uh, destroyers and consumers. And they do very stereotypical black and red magical things. Um, 
they're demons. They do demon <laughs> things. What a surprise. So <laughs> I, I do want to cut in here and just say, um, we talked about this being a top-down set uh, and a top-down world that they built. And one thing that caught a lot of flack for Kamigawa is that they borrowed heavily from Shintoism, which is a like uh, traditional Japanese religious system uh, that the kami were borrowed heavily from. So that is why uh, the kami are kind of weird and different because they they come from sort of a real world religious practice. Uh, and Wizards of the Coast did this and made this top down set all about Japanese mythology and Japanese history and building from all these Japanese themes. Uh, and it was very unpopular for a long time because of the fact that it wasn't like pop culture Japan that people were expecting. Um, so, uh, but so much yeah. of it is pop culture Japan, and then so much of it was mm-hmm. just made up from nothing because they were like, "Oh, I don't know how to have like red or green non-humans here," and it just did. <laughs> the original world building is a mess, and I'm not getting into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really like the name of this next section: abbreviated major characters (parentheses too many to name). Uh, literally every rare creature in these in this in the entire block was legendary, which is silly and a mistake. Um, uh, so Okagachi we talked about is the the kind of the head kami and the main villain. Well, one of the main villains. There's a lot of villains in this story. Um, <laughs> uh, then there's Lord Takeshi Kanda, who's another main villain of this story. Um, he is the daimyo in Aigendo Castle. Uh, he steals Okagachi's divinity to try and protect his people. It's a whole thing. Uh, and his daughter, uh, Michiko Kanda, uh, ends up when being like one of the biggest heroes of the story. Um, she kind of helps fix everything that her dad screwed up. Uh, then there's uh, the divinity that Kanda steals. Um, is called there's there's a cult called that which was taken, which is what it's referred to at first, and then it becomes personified as uh, this kami named uh, Kyodai, who is the kami of Okagachi's divinity. Essentially, um, she also becomes a big hero, and and she and uh, Michiko get along fine. Uh, there's Scallywag Toshiro Umazawa, who is a ronin and magic user and criminal and uh, gang leader. And uh, he's the big anti-hero of this world. One of the things this set tried to do was like, hey, it would be nice if we break out of some of our uh, some of our narrative character issues and stereotypes in the past and have a black aligned protagonist and a white aligned antagonist and then they kind of screw that up because the main antagonists are really not white in this uh but we'll get to that part um but Toshiro's great he gets exiled to dominaria spoiler alert uh and so the umazawas are on dominaria now uh there's uh hiretsugu who is an ogre and a demon worshiper uh, you may have seen his card previewed for Neon Dynasty because he's still around after 1,200 years thanks to a very special thing that happens to him in the story. It's great. Um, he likes chaos and destruction. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, then there's Miojin of Night's Reach, who is uh, one of the other main prominent kami um, from the story. Uh, the Miojin lends to Shiro a bunch of her power. Uh, and they strike deals kind of back and forth throughout the story. And uh, she's a manipulative and vengeful and really just not a nice entity at all. Um, but I think uh, we talked about her when talking about the history of Dominaria, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she intersects with the Nicol Bola storyline um, in uh, 
uh yeah so the legends that's a whole thing the legends two cycle the kamigawa cycle and the time spiral cycle form kind of a super trilogy sort of uh, with basically the same it's the same author for all of them and he carries through many of the characters and themes yeah um so yeah basically he ties together the kamigawa and legends 2 stuff in time spiral yep um and also ties the uh the homelands comic to it too it's bizarre time spiral was weird uh, and then lastly, there is Mochi, the Kami of the Crescent Moon. Uh, his card is just called Kami of the Crescent Moon. Uh, he's one of the real villains of this story. Uh, he is a blue-aligned Kami who works with the uh, the moon folk, who are like the real villains of this story. Uh, and uh, it, yeah, for as much as the Mjolnir of Night's Reach is manipulative, Mochi is ten times so. Uh, he is a devious little trickster. Uh, well, a little, little bastard little bastard man spirit uh, is what he is. <laughs> um, and uh, but remember, mochi is delicious. I love correct. mochi. Yeah, the if if I were to describe the story of Kamigawa in one sentence, it would be mochi and Toshiro try to outcon everyone else in order to win. Yeah, well, sort of. Jay, Jay, how about you tell us the story of Kamigawa in more than one sentence? Because oh, I sure. have not read these books. But preferably <laughs> in about 25 minutes. Jeez. Can we do like 20, 20 minutes? All right, <laughs> let's do this. All right, so now uh, I've mentioned before, Kamigawa was about, the original block took place about twelve to 1300 years ago. Uh, it's in there somewhere. Uh, there's not an exact date, but we do. We can date it based on things Nicol Bolas says in Time Spiral, which was the intent of the author. Again, it forms sort of a super, super trilogy. Um, <clears throat> the first novel was Outlaw, Champions of Kamigawa. So at the beginning, we learn, uh, we see Lord Kanda's crime. He, with the help of others, um, a moon folk, one of the wizards from Minamo, uh, they pierce the veil into the spirit realm, and he goes inside and steals uh, that which was taken, or uh, as it's also referred to, the taken one, uh, which when he comes out is a sort of stone, um, and it is said to have been Okagachi's divinity. And he takes it uh, basically to ensure his reign and the reign of his um, his little fiefdom empire that he's building uh, into perpetuity. Because he did this, Okagachi did, did, was not a fan, not a fan of this. Uh, and most of the kami uh, end up going to war at Okagachi's behest. Uh, and so the Kami War ignites for 20 years. And so these uh, nature spirits, essentially, uh, that people used to worship, that that lived or embodied or were embodied in various things, uh, suddenly turned on humanity, started manifesting, looking very weird and abstract and attacking people. Uh, part of that is because the way they were manifesting wasn't particularly natural like kami were not supposed to physically manifest in the real world uh so 20 years later things have kind of gone badly uh a lot of the empire that kanda had created has sort of crumbled uh and even the town around his castle 
has has fallen to ruin more or less. Um, in, in the midst of all of this, Tosh- we we meet Toshiro Umazawa, who is following a uh, a rat folk, a Nizumi named Maronar, and trying to uh, basically horn in on this guy's score. He knew the the rat folk had something they were brewing up, so he was following along, and his plan was to let him let them do what they're going to do, and then take whatever they, whatever their winnings were for himself. Uh, well, he accidentally stumbles into a Moonfolk plot that, uh, at the time, Moonfolk are, like, nearly mythical on the plane. Uh, they can fly, they have all sorts of magical powers, uh, and Toshiro is quickly on the run for his life uh, because he saw and overheard something that he was not supposed to about some sort of Moonfolk plot we'll learn more about as the story goes on. Uh, he ends up enlisting his old ally, the ogre shaman Hidetsugu. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he enlists Hidetsugu's help uh, in order to figure out what's going on. Uh, Hidetsugu's kind of scary because he's a big scary ogre who worships a chaos oni, the all-consuming oni of chaos. Uh, but the ogre ends up sending uh, his apprentice, with Toshiro to figure things out. Meanwhile, uh, Michiko has learned that her father had stolen something or done something he wasn't supposed to that was the cause of the war, and she's trying to figure it out. She ends up uh, escaping the castle, uh, and she, along with a party of retainers um, or people who are close to her, I'm not going to name them all. There's like four or five people. It's not worth it. Um, Her group and Toshi's group end up meeting in the Jukai forest, and the Orochi capture them all. Uh, One of Michiko's friends, who's an apprentice at uh, Minamo, kills uh, Hiratsugu's apprentice, uh, which which sets off what is called the Reckoner Oath. So Hiratsugu and Toshiro uh, are Hyozen Reckoners. It's like iceberg reckoners um the idea is that if you kill a reckoner all the other reckoners are obligated by magic and the threat of death to avenge their death so if you kill a reckoner you have to deal with all the other reckoners tashiro did this kind of to save his own neck because he was part of a gang that was supposed to take down hiratsugu and it didn't go that way and he talked his way out of it and the uh, the ogre was so amused by him that they they did this so um, Toshiro uh, ends up escaping the Orochi, kidnapping Michiko when he realizes she's valuable, uh, and escapes to a cave from the Orochi. Uh, in the cave, he's approached by both the Myogen of Night's Reach and Mochi, or the Smiling Kami of the Crescent Moon is the full name. Uh, and they ask Toshiro uh, for some very specific things, um, but he ends up pledging himself to Night's Reach. Um, who has who offers to give him various powers. Uh, and he he pledges himself to Night's Reach, ends up saving Michiko with his magic, uh, and pledges himself to her, you know, for a price. Yeah, one of our live listeners, their dog's name is Mochi. Different Mochi, to be clear. Mo- one Mochi is very good dog, and the other Mochi is not. Well, the other Mochi is not a dog. He's a commie. And isn't good. No. <laughs> uh, so the story continues in the next two books, uh, Heretic, Betrayers of Kamigawa, and Guardian, Saviors of Kamigawa. 
the story kind of flows a lot more between these two books. So, oh, uh, please, you have to read this bullet point exactly. Word okay. For word. The lines between the books are bl- as blurred as the lines between the material and spirit realms. My one contribution to the episode, everyone. <laughs> Great work. Great. Just, just absolutely stellar work, Chris. I'm proud of you. Okay. So, uh, we begin with Michiko stuck at the castle again after having been uh, recaptured by her father, essentially. Um, she had uh, basically her, her I don't know exactly how to describe it, her minder, her teacher, uh, was a kitsune who, who helped her escape and is basically banned from the castle now. Um, and she's stuck without allies in the castle and sends a message uh, using the kanji magic, which Toshiro uses, which is basically he inscribes a symbol with a certain meaning into something using blood or some other magical medium. Uh, and it, that's how he casts his spells. Uh, Toshiro, in order to you know defeat what's coming with this Moonfolk plot and hopefully get himself out of uh, the problems he's got with Hidetsugu, uh, now that he, <laughs> now that uh, Hidetsugu's apprentice is dead, uh, Hidetsugu's not too happy with Toshiro either for letting it happen. Uh, he enlists two new reckoners, Maronar, the the rat folk he was spying on at the beginning of the story, and also Kiku, who is a um, well, she's also an assassin. Let's just leave it at that. I don't need to get too much into her history. Uh, Hidetsugu is plotting revenge with uh, the Yamabushi, who are these. Uh, red-aligned, monk-like warriors who are capable of defeating and killing Kami. Um, <clears throat> he basically kills their boss, kidnaps them, and tortures them until they work for him. Um, Toshiro, at uh, Night's Reach's behest, steals an artifact from Night Reach's, Night's Reach's former champion, uh, a, a crime lord. Um, I had the name in here, but I'm not going to bother saying it. It's just going to be confusing. Uh, and he There's steals too many names. Yeah, there are too there there are too many, and they all had cards. They don't all have cards. That's a crazy thing. Only about five characters from the novel, the ones we mentioned earlier, those are the only characters from the story that really have cards. And the crazy part is, at least one of them didn't get that card until later, <laughs> until like in the last five years. Uh, oh, that's right. Okagachi. Uh, o- Okagachi is like the main villain of the entire story, and he appears in a single piece of art that's not even an arcane spell. Yeah, it's 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 a whole lot. Anyway, back to the story. Toshi ends up stealing this power over shadows, which allows him for, to jump from shadow to shadow um, as a boon from Night's Reach. Uh, he uses it to rescue Michiko uh, and take her and her allies uh, to Minamo. Um, but as they get there, Hiretsugu, who was not patient to wait for Toshiro, uh, arrives along with his Yamabushi and lays siege to the Wizard Academy. Um, things go poorly. Uh, Toshi steals, in the midst of all this, Toshi steals the Taken One, the, the rock, uh, that is the source of Lord Kanda's power, um, and, and brings it to Minamo. But then, of course, Hiretsugu is there. Uh, Hidetsugu also ends up summoning the all-consuming Oni of Chaos while he's there, so these mouths just start appearing everywhere, eating things, and so everyone's terrified, and he's trying to get everyone out uh, one by one uh, while not pissing Hidetsugu off any further than he already has. Um, In order to, at this point, he's got too many conflicting obligations. He has pledged himself to Michiko, Night's Reach, and Hidetsugu. 
Uh, so he uses some of Night's Reach's power to break his Reckoner Oath, but the other Reckoners are not aware of this just yet, uh, so that he can actually kill his fellow Reckoner, which is another thing it, the, uh, the, the bond, the magic ends up preventing you from doing. Um, in the midst of all of this, Okagachi manifests on the plane and like destroys Iganjo, um, eats like all the soldiers, <laughs> the whole army. It's the card. Uh, and they end up coming back as these kind of twisted spirit versions of themselves. Uh, Lord Kanda sees nothing wrong. He's really gone at this, far gone at this point. He sees nothing wrong with this. And he's like, oh, this is just proof of an eternal army for my, for my reign. Time to go get uh, the Taken one. Uh, so they end up start playing kind of hot potato with the Taken one because both Okagachi and Lord Kanda, who has formed a connection to it over 20 years, both follow it wherever it goes. Knight's Reach doesn't want him transporting it uh, through her little shadow network because it'll alert Okagachi that she's been helping Toshiro. Uh, so finally, Okagachi arrives at the Academy and the all-consuming Oni of Chaos goes to challenge Okagachi uh, and ends up getting his butt kicked and punks out. And Hidetsugu is pissed because this is the supreme Oni he's been worshipping his entire life. Um, and so he and Toshiro end up making up and Toshiro helps him go after the chaos Oni into its realm. Uh, presumably to die. Toshiro isn't quite sure. I mean, obviously we've got the card now. We know, we know that isn't what happened. There's a lot I'm leaving out of here. I'm trying to make this as concise as possible, but it's a very complicated plot. Um, so let me explain what everyone's up to here. So now we've got, they're playing hot potato with the taken one. Okagachi's there. Lord Kanda's there. Knight's Reach, when all this went down 20 years ago, realized with Okagachi distracted by the war, she could slip off the plane and, and find other planes where she could find additional worshippers and gather her power, which wouldn't be possible if Okagachi was paying attention to the barriers between realms like he was supposed to. So she wants to prolong this as long as possible to find these routes into other worlds. Um, this also explains something else that happens later. Mochi's plan, uh, Mochi is kind of the patron kami of the, um, of the Soratami. Uh, they, I mean, not, not the patron of the moon folk, if that's a card, <laughs> but <laughs> a patron uh, kami for them. Uh, and they're, the moon folk's secret plot is basically world domination. Uh, now that the Kami have kind of ravaged the plane, uh, the moon folk tend, uh, intend to basically descend from their cloud city uh, and take over the world uh, as yeah. its fitting masters. They're, they're not great. They're, they're not super great in this. Um, <clears throat> meanwhile, I just, uh, I, I just have to like, this is the thing. It's like, oh, we're going to have a black aligned hero and a white aligned villain. And then it's just like, no, nah, you just had some manipulative, manipulative blue majors start a war to weaken both worlds so that they could swoop in and try and take over. And I'm like, that's way less of a good story. <laughs> Grumpy about it. Uh, so Toshiro and Michiko, uh, well, d as all this is happening, uh, Toshiro is escaping with the taken one, uh, on a giant moth that he befriends. It's really cute. Mothra. Toshiro ends up hearing a voice from inside the Taken One uh, that ends up naming itself Kyodai. Uh, so this is when Kyodai 
personifies from the divinity divinity into something else. Uh, Toshiro, Michiko, some others end up freeing Kyodai against Knight's Reach's wishes. Uh, and together, uh, Kanda finally catches up to them. Uh, together, Michiko and Kyodai turn Kanda to stone because uh, they have a strange bond. They were, quote unquote, born the same day. Uh, so the night Michiko was born was the same night uh, that Kanda stole that which was taken. Uh, and part of the ability for him to do this was some sort of magical energy associated with his daughter, his first daughter's birth. And I don't know, it's not worth getting into. And they're linked, they're bonded in a way. Uh, so Kanda is turned to stone, but left fully conscious so that he understands what he did to Kyodai uh, because he took her and imprisoned her in stone and used her power. So Kyodai did the same thing back. And she says something like, I'll, I'll check on you in some sort of years. Your, your daughter Michiko asked me to give you mercy in some number of years, see if you've learned your lesson. Um, and then Okagachi shows up and together Michiko and Kyodai shrink him down to like the size of a, a garden snake and defeat him. Uh, and they, as the sisters of flesh and spirit, uh, become the new guardians of the plane. Mochi shows up and it's kind kind of tries to ingratiate himself like, oh, nothing went to plan. This went terrible. Hey, I was on you, you guys' side the whole time. Uh, well, <laughs> Hiratsugu, who has bonded and uh, consumed the all-consuming Oni of Chaos and is now the ogre Oni of Chaos himself, uh, shows up and eats Mochi. <laughs> so that's the end of that, Kami. Um, <clears throat> at least I believe he eats them. I just realized I left double checking here and I never double checked. Anyway, Mochi's dead. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, not the, dog. the dog is very good and still alive. Not the dog. The dog Mochi is still a very good dog and it's still just fine. So after all this happens, the sisters of uh, flesh and spirit end up taking over for Okagachi. Uh, it's mentioned that magic is going to be changing on the plane uh, because of what has happened with Okagachi's death and these new beings being the the divine protectors. That's what we what we know about magic on the plane, which is that basically all the mana goes through the kami first and mortals have to beg the kami for mana and magic if they want to cast anything, any kind of big spell. Um, so all of that's going to be changing. We will see in Neon Dynasty exactly how it's changed. Uh, Toshiro, who thinks he's gotten away with it here, uh, ends up getting ambushed by one of the moon folk he set a demon dog on earlier. Uh, and begs night night for night reaches help after he disobeyed her and she says oh sure i will gladly give you my blessing and completely blinds him and then drops him on dominaria on madara and tells him that she's planting him there like a seed uh to to do things for her in the future basically leading to the umazawa line that kills nickel bolus um many many years later but that's not a kamigawa story anymore that's a dominaria story we also know, uh, thanks to his card previews, that there's a new Umazawa on Kamigawa. People are like, how? He got transported. Well, it could be either a, um, a distant relation to Toshi. He doesn't have to be Toshi's direct descendant. Uh, Toshi also has a one-night stand with Kiku in the last book. So it's possible that this is Kiku's descendant, although I don't know why she would give the Umazawa line. She didn't like it him all that much uh the umazawa name i mean she didn't like him all that much 
Uh, or the new guy could just be full of crap, which is also one of my favorite <laughs> favorite interpretations, and also how he survived a nickel bolus purge of the line. Right. So, like, we have this character, and like they, uh, the the reckoners is is the name of the gang again, and people are like, but but he was taken away, and the gang was disbanded. I'm like, this guy could be lying. Yeah, I I kind of love it as he's just he's just lying. <laughs> are you telling me that people lie? People will just say thing that's something that's just not true. I, It'll I, happen. I assume we're going to find out more when uh, uh, theoretically a Legends article drops at some point. Uh, but, uh, you know, like it doesn't have to literally be Umazawa's descendant with the exact same gang that has lasted for 1200 years. Uh, the, the important part is the historical connection between the two time periods. And at this point, and what I will say about in the modern day of Kamigawa, this story would be pretty famous as like the changing of an era story. So the names might have, you know, an allure for people. Yeah. The Kami War is like the biggest event in the history of the play. Pretty so much. speaking of modern Kamigawa, we then get a couple glimpses over time. We see... Very briefly, Sisters of Flesh and Spirit, although not named, it's implied to be Kyodai and Michiko, uh, guarding the barrier of um, Kamigawa from Lashrak when he yeah. and when Lashrak and Bolas have their big duel. I feel like we've talked about this duel a billion times, though. Just so because it's one, it's one of my favorite events in it's my very history. Cool. They, uh, when you say the barrier, uh, what Jay means is uh, they literally manifest outside the plane in the blind eternities and prevent Lashrak from planeswalking to Kamigawa, which is impressive. Uh, we also know Knight's Reach supposedly gets uh, killed by Bolas during this story. Although it happens off screen, so who knows what the what the reality is? Um, we will have to see in the new set what what the situation is if if they got if the Myogen got new cards or what. Um, <clears throat> we then see it again in a story called Agents of Artifice, which I mean, honestly, it's it's very funny to me that I, I just while I was working on the Kamigawa stories, I kept seeing like random people claim Agents of Artifice isn't canon. <laughs> while i'm referencing it uh so no, i i don't know where that came from of the series of planeswalker novels uh that came out in that period uh agents of artifice purifying fire uh test of metal mm. and then um uh there's in the teeth of a and um quest for karn uh there's also the curse of the chain veil that one's really important i specifically said novels that came out <laughs> <laughs> so not because the chain. But like Agents of Artifice is the one that's like the most canon. It's the one that has had the least retcon from any of those novels. Yeah, I didn't get it either. At first I thought maybe people were just confused with Tef Test of Metal, and then some people just doubled down on it. I'm like, all right, well, you'll find out in January. Um <clears throat> so anyway, uh from Agents of Artifice, uh the part we see of Kamigawa is that uh the Infinite Consortium, which is a criminal syndicate uh, spread across cells on various planes that was once controlled by Nicol Bolas. Tezzeret takes it over, and the whole plot of Agents of Artifice is um, Liliana and Nicol Bolas manipulating Jace in order to get the Infinite Consortium back. Doesn't quite work out that way. Uh, but Jace and a pyromancer named Baltrice end up going on mission to backwater Kamigawa to this Nizumi village in the... Um, Taganuma. Yeah, in the in the swamp. Uh, and they 
basically burn it down. Uh, Jace doesn't intend to, but the um, the pyromancer is not a very nice woman, and she ends up burning down like half the village. Uh, they get attacked because they were betrayed. Basically, it's a whole thing where the chieftain's son was more agreeable to letting them use certain lands than the chief was. So they're going to kill the chief for the chieftain's son so that he would inherit. But then they show up and it turns out the chieftain's son was lying. And also he was killed by his dad for being a traitor. So everyone's kind of screwed. Things go to heck. Um, <laughs> and The important part is Baltrice is tall and mean, and that's why we appreciate it. <laughs> yes, those things are also true. But anyway, <laughs> the village burns down. Uh, and the reason why this is important is we learn then in the Kaladesh block, when Ajani goes to visit his friend uh, Tamio in her home, uh, which we only see the inside of her home. I've seen a lot of people going, well, why didn't we see like flat screen TVs on Tamio's wall? It wasn't story relevant, people. Let it go. Um, <clears throat> the We also meet a Nizumi named Nashi, uh, who is an orphan from the village that Jason Baltrice attacked. Um, so Tamiyo uh, has adopted Nashi, essentially. Uh, and yeah, that's that's the last thing we saw, is this cute little um, rat folk with his adopted moon folk brothers and sisters. Uh, we know Tamiyo's husband lives with her, and they've got some, some other relatives that live nearby, and a big happy family there. Genku, I think his name is? Yeah. But other than that, we haven't seen anything of modern Kamigawa other than this backwater village and the inside of Tamiyo's house. And we've already seen from Tamiyo that she's very traditional. So, yeah. And we know she's a good mom. So she probably does limit the uh, the screen time for her kids. So there probably is not a big flat screen TV just all over the place in that house. His name is Genku. How did I pull that out of my... I can't remember real people's names, but I remember Tamiyo's husband's name that was name dropped in one story like six years ago. I was oh. genuinely very impressed, Lorelai. Like, I was like, that is right. I'd forgotten. <laughs> they have like two kids and a cousin that also live there that aren't really worth naming off the top of my head. Um, Nashi is the one everyone loves. So, so but before we wrap up, I do have one question for, for y'all. Um, so the sisters of spirit and flesh, they turn Kanda to stone to defeat him. Mm -hmm. so, so could you say that they're the sisters of stone death? No, I refuse <laughs> to rise to the bait, Chris. <laughs> I refuse. I will not say that. No, they 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 turned Kanda uh, to stone. Um, what happened to him after that? He was just kind of left in the the forest. We don't. You know, not not a very good fate. Not a very good fate at all. I think it rocks, actually. Oh my god. Sweet Jesus Christ. Uh, I think on that note, we should move to final thoughts because uh, we've had two terrible puns to end the episode, which I think oh, is just, yeah. just perfect. It's painful even for me, and I am a father of two. All right, let's go. My final thought... Christ, there's so many things to talk about. So much stuff I've been, you know getting through Netflix and stuff. But what I really want to talk about is COVID. Wear your masks, get your boosties. Just do it, folks. Let's get through this wave together. I'm I'm currently on day three of the boosty blues. I will hopefully Oof. be better tomorrow. But uh, I, I have like, it's like the last day of sinus infection kind of feeling where like I could feel like a tiny little bit in my head, but uh, like no body aches. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost back 
back to 100 percent. yeah i i described it earlier and it it stuck with me when i thought about it um getting the after effect of the booster feels like getting over a really bad cold you know yeah it's like it's not as bad as like actually being sick but it's that Mm -hmm. feeling of like getting over an illness is the booster shot so that's why i'm like you know go get it it's really actually not that bad it's just kind of sucks but um my final thought is uh you know, I <laughs> I really want to make a joke about something that happened like a week after I left the podcast for a bit. But I'll be honest, I have ADHD and I don't remember when the hell that was. Uh, Arcane was only just OK. <sighs> and I think the last three episodes were really, really bad. And I will not explain. You know, I enjoyed Arcane. I think it was pretty good. I don't think it was the best thing ever, but it was really exceptional art style. But I agree, it kind of smushed things in the last few episodes. I have no complaints about the animation or the cinematography. I think it was beautiful. I think the sound design was excellent. I think narratively, this thing really fell apart. And the characters are mostly boring. Well, I uh, won't comment because my love of Arcane has been documented on this podcast. Many <laughs> <times>. <laughs> uh, but I also am like, you know, a League of Legends player. Um, but I have not been playing a lot of League of Legends lately. Uh, once again, my final thought shall return to the world of Final Fantasy XIV, where I am officially caught up to the newest expansion. I have not completed it, but I spent two weeks basically just playing Final Fantasy XIV all day. Uh, And I will tell you, that's just a lot of running around and talking to people. That game's favorite thing to do is to give you a quest where you just go talk to people. Yeah, it's an (laughs) MMO. But like, I say that like I don't play an MMO where you are predominantly shooting things and see, casting that's the space thing. magic. Most most of these MMOs, the quest is like, go kill this thing and bring me back its hide or go do this task for me. This one's just, hey, go talk to these people. They're spread out all over the world. Go chat with them and then come back and maybe talk to me. Maybe talk to someone else. Who knows? Anyways, it's really fun and you should play it. <laughs> I'm sorry, my MMO is an FPS game. Uh, oh. You should also play Destiny 2. It's really fun. Witch Queen out February 22nd is going to be really sweet. My wife is in it. My <laughs> wife is Savathun. Also Eris Morn. Also the Exo Stranger. <laughs> but also Failsafe. But also Zebu Arath. There's a lot of wives in Destiny. You should play it if you're a lesbian. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Like legit, point. legit Kaido is great. And uh, she may be a big violent space rhino, but I think she's a wonderful person deep in her heart. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent analysis as always, Lorelai. Oh, yeah, I got to do this part, huh? <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it for like months now, so I'm going to let you do it, Lorelai. Uh, well, I and of course, how come after all this time, we still can't segue into this? If you like our show and want to help support us, you can go to patreon.com slash the cast and support us today. Uh, we are big fans of our fans. Uh, and because we're fans of our fans, our fans on Patreon can uh, get on our Discord server for uh, as little as $1 a month uh, supporting the podcast. We have a wonderful community. Vorthos is getting really excited for preview season. Uh, everyone is pumped that we're getting story before previews. Um, it is uh, the the few times that this has happened has been really, really enjoyable seeing people dig into the story before they know anything about the card set and before the card set spoils anything. So uh, we're getting that again. For really good reason, please read the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty story. It starts the 24th of January. Uh, (laughs) And uh, yeah, yeah, magic is good. Say thank you all for listening. Say it, say it.
Thank you all for listening. Say, this has been... This has been... The Vorthos Cast. What? The Vorthos Cast. My podcast. <laughs> what? The Vorthos Cast. The Vorthos Cast. This has been Daddy's... Say, this has been Daddy's Podcast. This has been Daddy's Podcast.